the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Starlight shines, the night is still. Shepherds watch from a hill. I close my eyes, see the night when love is born. A perfect child. Gently wakes a mother bends to kiss God's face. I close my eyes and see the night when love was born. Many of us feel that Christmas is all about the decorating of the house, feasting and shopping, and the exchanging of presents. And while enjoying the festival with our near and dear ones, we should remember that the festivity takes on a greater significance if we celebrate it with the real spirit of Christmas. Being a Christian, I know that Christmas is a time to reflect and celebrate the birthday of our Savior, Jesus Christ. During this season, we celebrate the greatest gift the human race has ever known— God's gift of Jesus Christ, His Son. God, in His love and mercy, saw our spiritual need 
and so that on that Christmas night over 2,000 years ago, he sent forth his son. As a child, I used to long for December. It was always heartening to attend Christmas Eve services, sing carols under the soft glow of the lights in the cold of December, and be greeted by the arrival of gifts placed carefully under the tree. As I grew up, I started wondering about the essence of the Christmas season, and I came to know more about him and the reason for celebrating his birth. The Bible says we are lost and separated from God, but Jesus Christ came to bring us back. For all have sinned against God and are far away from his presence. But by profiting from the gift of God's grace, all of us could be saved. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Unlike any other baby, the one that was born that night in Bethlehem was unique in all of history. He was not created by a human father. He had a heavenly pre-existence, as we see in John 1, verses 1 through 3. He is God, the Son, creator of the universe in Philippians 2 and 5. This is why Christmas is called the Incarnation, a word which means in the flesh. In the birth of Jesus, the eternal, all-powerful, and all-knowing Creator came to earth in the flesh. Why would God do such a thing? Why would He come as a child instead of appearing in power and majesty? Why would He make Himself a true man and live among us when He knew full well how terribly He would be treated? It was love. So, Christmas in a very real way is the celebration of God's gift to the world, His Son. It brings hope and gives a new lease on life. It means a time to reconcile and submit ourselves completely to Christ. It means a time to help the poor and needy, share the joys and pains of loved ones. Let's forget everything else this season and bring Jesus and His teachings to the center so that this Christmas turns out to be the most joyous celebration ever. As part of that joy, I've always wondered about the reflections of older believers, those who have lived in Christ for 30, 40, 50, 60, even more years. Joining us now is a very special guest, Reverend Ephraim Treadle, whose ministry on radio and television here in the San Francisco Bay Area and internationally has spanned more than 50 years. He joins us now with his reflections on Christmas. As long a gift. We thank you, Lord, for this new day, a gift of life and a gift of grace. We enjoyed your supper of love divine with the redeeming blood from your cross. We now enriched in our daily trail can sing the joy of your sacred heart. May all the world which we try to embrace Receive the abundance of peace and grace. A Song of Joy Today, a song of joy came in my life and filled my heart with memories and love as I remembered all the gifts received when needed comfort in my fragile life. It was your love, my friend, and was your strength, your understanding and God's own answer 
grace that saved me. And then it chased away the fear, the darkness of those days, and all my tears. But now, my friend, I walk again with you to share the dreams that finally came true. In love, we can now sing our thanks to God, enjoy the peace so gratefully received. child of God. You, Lord, my love, have given me another day of joyful celebration, so beautiful, so warm, so human and divine that nothing upon this earth can be compared to it. No ocean's beauty or desert's intact vastity, no waterfall's solemnity, no mountain's heights, no all man's conquests, no vastity of the skies can simply be compared just to the sweetness of your godly infinity and human hearts. We know of your divinity of the world you have created rich of marvels and the promises for an eternal life, but Mary's child was born in the simplicity of human life. The miracle of love then was revealed a child with human body, beauty and life, hiding the beauty of you, the Eternal Father.
e prayer. I am here again, O oh Jesus, humble and weak, lost in my fragile dreams. I need your hand, O oh Jesus, to lift me up, to give me strength for another day. With you, I see the way as I wake up each day in the splendor of life. With you, I will embrace the marvels of the Spirit, the splendid waves of God, the infinity of His love. Jesus, I love you so. And as you hold my hand, I feel your strength. I am falling in love again and feel my human heart walking in peace. Christmas has brought me the vision of a life of joy because my world now as a divine child who is teaching me love and is teaching me peace. So I turn to my daily routine with a spirit of joy since God's Son gave me feelings of love from a crib to blossom in the embrace of a whole life. Christmas is vibrating in my daily chores with candles and gifts and embraces of love. So I will try to prolong that sweet feeling of peace made of intimate joy so that Christmas may open its flowers of joy for me along the road of my daily chores. As the melodies of Christmas are still vibrating in our thirsty world, let's continue a joyful adoration of that infant in the crib, joyfully embraced by a joyful mother, happily cared for from a very proud father, and we look and we love. Christmas may seem now long gone, and the shepherds are leaving the crib, but their joy is so great, and I'm sure that they still come to visit dear Joseph and Mary, still clothed in the hills, and joyfully the shepherds come, by just to see how beautiful is that Jesus. I am sure that we still meditate on the feast just celebrated, the birth of our Christ, and we know in our hearts those sweet moments and the lights and the gifts and the songs. And I wonder if we keep in our hearts all the joy we can have when walking 
with Jesus. Now Christmas is going away and we go on our trail. But I hope we remember the joy, the dreams we enjoyed at the birth of Jesus. And I hope we remember the joy of a family and the joy of rich and poor when the price of a life is the life of a heart, blessed by God. Dear friends, today I had the pleasure to have some visit. Elderly people who are in need of comfort, you have a lot of wonderful things to do and you kind of forget the world outside. So much so that the other day a friend took me out for a quick visit and in the middle of a city where I lived for almost 70 years, I was lost. The changes when you have the type of life I have every day, where all I have to say is to take all the pills the doctors will give me, and those two or three things that pertains to the community, like some prayers in the morning. I do other things like play the piano for somebody who is tired to be alone. But it's an assurance 
but he's alive. Now, at Christmas, particularly, I really feel the isolation in which I am because there are the gifts, there are the decoration, particularly those who are in need. I enjoy, for example, a couple of evenings with associations where all the members were brothers and sisters and Christmas was the theme of the whole evening, so anticipating the real day for me. But when I come back here, all that world outside goes down and you remain with what you have. When there is Christmas or any specific days that call our attention more than usual, because every day is a gift, every day is an encounter with God, every day is a step forward. But when these occasions come, we stress the presence of beautiful things like the birth of Christ. To become the son of Mary, the little boy in the hands of Joseph, the center of our Christmas. In the birth of Christ, we see the utmost miracle that we can expect above any other miracles that a God that has created me is in three divine person. And then we see that it's God to save me, to love me, to ensure me that I will have an eternal life, not just this life. So when I think of this, but I am old enough to see that my life won't last more than a few years. It seems like it's not a very happy thought, but it's a reality. At the same time, it's a joy, because if you believe what I believe, we not only we are happy that Christmas is coming and going and the time goes on, but if I think that I believe in a soul, in an eternal image, then I go above that. It's just one door that we go through, and I'm thinking instead, like all saints, to fall in love with God. And it's not always easy because the world is full of distraction. We are attached to this and to that, to our job, to our health. All this go, and we have heaven. And it's kind of funny because I ask anybody, would you like to go to heaven? And they say, yes. You want to go tomorrow? Say, no. So I inquire, is the yes wrong? Or is the no wrong? Shouldn't it be vice versa? Will you believe in another life? Will you be happy when you can embrace the God you are talking about? I will say yes. I look at the life of St. Francis, and St. Francis gave up everything. I mean, he was crazy. He gave up everything just in order to serve God, and he died after spending months in a grotto looking at a cross and feeling in his heart what Christ has suffered before he died. I look at other saints, and they always tell me the story. Some, they look at the things around them, and they saw that there were just fragile things on our walk toward God. 
So I have all the reason to say a happy event this Christmas with the coming new year are important in our life. It all depends what our life is, what our faith is, and then we can choose between what is good and what is better than good. A God that has created me, and then we see that is God to save me, to love me, to ensure me that I will have an eternal life, eternal in love. Well, since uh, myself, I think of my family too, and I, I must think of you too. Like many of those who are with me here, they may suffer, they cannot get together with their family. But if you are listening to me now, I don't have to tell you how precious is Christmas, because being happy and being satisfied It doesn't depend from the things we have or the freedom that we have, but from what is in our heart. It's up to you and your faith. I just wish that everybody understand to say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Reflections on Christmas by a man who has spent an amazing 70-plus years in full-time ministry. In April of this year, he published his most recent book, and in May, celebrated his 90th birthday. If you'd like to send a note or a card of encouragement to Reverend Treadle, you can write to him at Reverend Ephraim Treadle, Number 1 Thomas Moore Way, Suite 10, San Francisco, California, 94132. That's Reverend Ephraim Treadle, Number 1 Thomas Moore Way, San Francisco, California, 94132. And as Ephraim Treadle would say, Christ reign always. Merry Christmas. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
You know, when you think of a lot of the challenges that our nation has been facing for the last couple of three years, uh, you know, unemployment situations, uh, loss of homes because of a foreclosure, uh, you know, it, it's easy to get discouraged, certainly to kind of live in that that place, that sort of permanent disappointment. And yet out of all of that, particularly for Christians, how do we we be uh, sort of adequately rise up and, and, and above all of that so we can go on with life and, and enjoy victory in our relationship with Christ? Well, that topic uh, centers around the title of a new book written by my next guest. Uh, you'll recognize her as having been the uh, Emmy Award-winning co-host of Aspiring Women on uh, KTLN here in the San Francisco Bay Area. She's written a number of best-selling books, in fact, over 30 to her credit, including her latest, How to Get Past Disappointment, Finding Hope. And Michelle McKinney-Hammond, Michelle, great to have you on the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Boy, this is uh, this is a timely topic. So many people are just dealing with that kind of overall biting sense of disappointment of what's going on. They've, you know, Life can be tough enough, and then when you add to it the economy and so on and so forth, yes. I think a lot of people kind of get stuck in that place and they don't know how to get out. Yes, yes, because they begin to see cycles in their lives, and it, it leads to the, to the deception that this is all life has to offer, and, well, I should just settle in and, and not expect more than where I am, and then we begin to, to make choices that sink us even lower in, into that place, you know? And then I wonder, as that process is kind of taking place, um, if there needs to be a change in our thinking. You know, I think there are some Christians who, who move into that position of defeat and disappointment, and they kind of, you know, kind of conclude that it's here, it's here to stay, so I have to learn to live with disappointment. Right. As opposed to learning from disappointment and then moving on back into victory. Right. Because every disappointment, you know, a friend of mine um, all describes disappointment as a disappointment uh, in the sense that we make appointments in life for ourselves, decisions of, of what should be or how things should go. And when the other people don't meet us there, the other parties involved don't meet us there, we feel dissed, we feel um, cast off, um, and it just really invites a spirit of rejection that lowers our self-esteem and, and literally paralyzes us. Um, so that we do get stuck, as you said. And a lot of it, I think, then comes down to misguided expectations. I mean, let's think for a moment about people. How often do we live in that position of disappointment because our son, our daughter, our husband, our wife, uh, our parents uh, did something or behaved in a fashion that disappointed us, and now all of a sudden we're we're kind of stuck in that defeat position? Yeah, yeah. It's true, and, and, and you know, it, life is, is a greater thing than that, and so we really cannot base uh, how, the conclusions that we make on life based on what people did or didn't do. It has to be, come from a, a deeper place. That's why I use the, uh, the woman at the well um, as an example um, in this book, How to Get Past Disappointment, because she had been through a cycle of disappointments that led her to the conclusion that that was all life had to offer for her. And and the danger in that is that when we get so jaded by our disappointments, we can't recognize the blessing when it does present itself. And, you know, what's amazing about that story is that um, e- even as, as Jesus meets with her, mm-hmm. he knows exactly what's going on. Oh, yeah. 
you know, we, we I think sometimes think that we can kind of hide that. We try to mask those feelings mm-hmm. instead of coming to the terms with them or instead of dealing with the root cause of what is behind the disappointment and sometimes the role that we play because maybe we've gotten our eyes focused more on the person or the situation instead of keeping our eyes focused on Christ. And, and maybe as we're, you know, kind of trying to keep up fronts, you know, keep up appearances, and yet Jesus fully knows what's going on, doesn't he? He does, you know, and, and, and what I think is important for, for listeners to know is that despite your bad choices, um, your seeming failures, or even uh, the contributions you think you've made to your life being the way you are, Jesus makes an appointment with all of us. I mean, Jesus went to that well to meet that woman on purpose. It was a purposeful decision to be there that day when she got there. Um, and I think that he... Um, is just as purposeful with meeting us in those places of disappointment. He has an appointment to meet us there, um, to show us another way, to show us another wellspring, another area of fulfillment um, that will bring about uh, what we've been thirsting for. I don't think that she even realized how deep her disappointment was until he started pushing her buttons and uh, getting her to see that there was an option. You know, so many people that I talk to who are disappointed feel they don't have any other option. Mm. Um, I was just talking to um, a friend of mine the other day on the phone in uh, another failed relationship, and she said, well, here I am alone again, um, and I don't think I'll ever have anyone. I said, well, maybe you don't have anyone today, but don't feel that because that person rejected you that you have no options. You have options. And as a matter of fact, uh, we exercise those options every day. I mean, I always tell single people, you're alone because you want to be alone, because there are people that you de- decided that you did not want to have in your life. Mm. You know? So don't, don't say that, you know, oh, you, you, you are the helpless person in this. No, you've had options that you chose not to exercise. So you are single by choice. How to Get Past Disappointment, Finding Hope, the title of her new book, newly published again by Harvest House and available through Amazon.com, as well as through Bay Area Christian bookstores and bookstores overall. Uh, Michelle, as we talk about sort of realigning our, our expectations, talk to me about the process of moving from from fear to hope in in the backdrop of dealing with circumstances, sometimes of our own creation, sometimes beyond our control. But nevertheless, how do we go about making that transition from fear to hope? Well, it really is taking, taking our eyes off of what we consider the source to seeing the root of the issue, because the disappointments in our lives are really the fruit that emanate from a root. And I, I think that a lot of times we live on the surface and, and we only deal with what we see versus what we don't see. Uh, when we look at the conversation that took place between Jesus and the woman at the well, we find out that the issue was deeper than her desire to be loved by these men. It really was a great need for God. Almost a crying uh, out in a sense. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, you know, she was trying to fill a void uh, with the, to the best of her ability with something that was natural not knowing that what she needed was supernatural. Um, and, and, and it's very interesting because there's a very subtle uh, conversation that happens uh, when she tells Jesus, you know, this water that you're talking about, I want it because I'm tired of being thirsty and I don't want to have to come back here again. And I think that a lot of us are that way. We're tired of longing, and we don't want to keep revisiting the same issue over and over again in our lives. 
And he says, I'll give it to you, um, you know, go and get your husband. And now we get down to, to the nitty-gritty of confessing where we really are. She says, I don't have a husband. Well, I mean, she probably had been saying she had a husband. She was living with a man, according to the scripture. And he says, you've told the truth. And he congratulates her on it. He says, you've done well to tell the truth. So um, we know that the word says that the truth is what makes us free. It gives us the tools we need to, to get beyond where we are. And uh, so he congratulates her. He's very gracious with her and says it's true that you don't have a husband. You've had five, and the one you're with now is not yours. So what he was bringing up was here's this cycle that you've had in your life, and, and you, you've had five, five, six men, and you're still thirsty. You know, what have we continued to do and still felt the same longing, the same disappointment, even though we thought we were applying solutions to our, to our longings and desires? And I think that the light went on in her head because even though she perceived him to be a prophet, the question that she asked him was not about the men. It wasn't about, will those relationships work out? It was, how could she get to God? Because obviously the men had never been enough. And I think that what God is saying to all of us in the middle of our disappointments is, look to me so that I can show you the source of fulfillment. Look to me so I can give you the wisdom to find a better way to exercise different options in your life that bring about the victory that you desire. And, you know, you put it so well, because so often this ends, ends up being a product of having put our trust, our faith, our hope and desire on something other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Most definitely. And, and he must be. You know, he says, I am the rewarder of those who diligently seek me. And then he says something even more spectacular. He says, at my right hand are pleasures evermore. I am your exceeding and great reward. And the reward is the pleasure of being in my company. Because when I come into your life, I bring everything that you've been looking for. And all of those solutions are found in me. He, he's the one who gives us the wisdom uh, to, to gain the things that he knows we want. He's not opposed to us having what we want, but he wants to add what we need to the ball game too. Yeah. And sometimes we don't recognize that. I don't think that uh, that woman didn't even know why. We don't know, you know, the, the inside scoop on all those relationships. It, it, he said she had had five husbands. So if he said five husbands and then differentiated that the one she was with was not hers, that means she had five legitimate husbands. What happened to them? Did they divorce her? Did they abuse her? Did they leave her? Did they die? We do not know. But out of it came a vow, obviously, that she was not going to put herself in the position to be disappointed again, and she made a bad choice. She made a choice that she thought would put her in the position of power by simply living with someone so that she could not be abandoned again. And we do that. We, we prop ourselves up and we begin to make compromises that we think are guarding our hearts, but it really puts us in the position for greater pain. We appreciate so much, uh, Michelle, the insights. I know a lot of this comes from your own life experience, and, and I'll let readers get a copy of the book to, uh, to get more details on that. Meanwhile, again, um, How to Get Past Disappointment, Finding Hope, published by Harvest House and available through Amazon.com and certainly at uh, Bay Area bookstores. Also information on the web at MichelleHammond.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, MichelleHammond.com. Michelle, thanks again so much for your time. 
Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.